Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Vish and creative control. I have for many years. I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Vish's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years. They're good friends. Uh, but the truth is, he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Jen Kirkman is a tremendously funny person currently based in Los Angeles, California. A gifted stand-up with two excellent Netflix specials to her name, 2015's I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine, and 2017's Just Keep Living? Kirkman is also a New York Times best-selling author who won a 2018 Writers Guild Award for her work on the hit series The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. On December 4th, 2020, Kirkman holds her annual Dysfunctional Christmas Show, but instead of staging this variety program before an audience in Hollywood this year, She'll be hosting it from her own living room and beaming it around the World Wide Web for anyone who buys a ticket to enjoy. Jen and I connected recently for a good talk about American politics, what the COVID-19 pandemic has taught her, keeping up on social cues, trends, and staying cooler a little bit longer, whether she still loves stand-up, this year's dysfunctional Christmas show, and its special guests, future plans... And more. 
a part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Kathleen Edwards. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 580th episode of Creative Control, featuring the hilarious, outspoken, and wise Jen Kirkman, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Jen. How's it going? Hi. Thanks for having me. Good, good. It's nice to have you. It's a, a thrill. It's a thrill. I, sometimes people say, hey, Vish, uh, who who do you like? Who's a, one of your favorite comedians? I say, oh, I like Jen Kirkman a lot. And they say, oh, Jen Kirkman. I was just, I was showing my wife some of your Netflix specials, uh, both of them uh, that are on uh, here in Canada anyway, that are available. And she was howling. She loved it. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to convert people to the Jen Kirkman world, if, if that's uh, if that means anything to you. Um, it's always great. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's a great... Um, is, there, is there any way there would be a downside to me doing that? <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, no, there's really no downside okay. to people liking what I do. <laughs> good. Unless they're really horrible people or something. As far as I know, my wife is good. She's not horrible, so we're. She seems I, like good people. Just just hearing that she laughed, she seems like she, good. People. She just loved it. Yeah. So I, I always ask my guests uh, when we're not face to face where in the world they are. So I'm going to begin similarly with you. Where in the world are you today, Jen? I am in Los Angeles, where I live specifically. Well, you know what? I won't say specifically. I don't, we don't need to get any stalkers after me in my neighborhood, but yeah, in LA, where I live. In LA, okay, that's that's fair. How long have you been there uh, in LA? A long time now. Um, 18 years. 18 years. And, wh- and where did you move from, if I may ask? I was in New York City, Brooklyn, and then before that, Boston. Okay. All right. So you've, you've, lived, uh, you've lived in different parts of the country. And I ask this because uh, uh, some of us uh, pondering America right now uh, mm-hmm. are wondering what the hell is happening in your country with the fracture and the division. Uh, you have mostly lived, it sounds like, in sort of... Uh, what would be considered what liberal progressive places? Is that fair? That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, does this impact your ability to understand people who maybe don't share similar perspectives? No, I can completely understand it. I, I don't agree with it. I think they're unnecessarily scared. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but you know, I have people in my family who are Trump supporters. I mean, it all comes down to our country got divided by disinformation. I mean, we truly, truly won the Cold War with Russia when it came to nukes, and we're losing the second war that they've declared on us, which is active measures and disinformation. And we're, I think the internet has uh, helped them achieve that goal. And so uh, where I think we're going to be now a 50-50 divided country, but with more of an intensity than, than we've ever had before you know I've never seen it like this um, yeah, yeah. than I have in the past 
yeah. four years. And I don't mean like, I haven't seen racism before. I don't mean that. I mean the inability to believe facts. And, and I hate to say on both sides, but it's different. It's certainly not the same on both sides, but I, I do see younger people who are getting really radicalized about politics who just kind of don't understand the drippy, slow, incremental way that progress works. And if it's not good enough, they want to burn it down, which is exactly how, you know, Republicans like Trump can get in power or not even Republicans, just psychotic dictators that know no party like Trump, you know, and and then people being convinced that the left is this radical group of socialists who want to take away your money is how Trump stays in power and racism, homophobia, sexism, you know, the whole thing. So uh, it's it's exhausting. And I I I don't see any end to it. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. As we're speaking, uh, your president or your your current president, as we're speaking, has not conceded the election to Joe Biden. Um, yeah. And he is you, you talked about disinformation. Uh, he is mm-hmm. kind of an avatar for, tr- uh, you know, he's for trutherism of all stripes. And yeah. this has legitimized people that and, and, and theories that, uh, you know, normally wouldn't be. And I guess I I've had this conversation with a few people, musicians, comedians. Uh, do you feel like this point we're at is the culmination of something, uh, you know, decades of this kind of polarization, uh, mistrust, tribalism on both sides, I will say. I, I almost, we're getting into like, there's fine people on both sides and I don't agree with that. <laughs> no, and that's not what I mean at all. I, I truly mean that Trump side is literally to me, you know, there are Nazis on his side. We don't have Nazis on our side, but I, I, I just mean that both, that all people have been radicalized, not radicalized, but all people have fallen for disinformation. Yeah, it's true. It's just I feel like um, maybe the progressive side, for whatever reason, has been portrayed as being a bit more sensitive to differing opinions, um, whereas the more entrenched conservative side, these are general generalities, of course, but the conservative side tends to tends to not. They tend to dig their heels in. And and I think that's where a lot of the frustration among left leaning people um, like myself, like I think, uh, I, I, I will say my perception of you is is maybe uh, of that stripe as well. The frustration is that we have kind of yeah. just been taking this shit for so long from these people yeah. and not really pushing back with similar amounts of mania and and madness, <laughs> right. you know, throwing theories at them. And yeah. for whatever reason, like what is the, from your perspective, the fact that I, I understand what you're saying, like both sides... Uh, both both sides of the political spectrum, if you will, if there are only two, end up being swayed by certain arguments. But what about the facts? Why are facts, you know, subject to... Like, I'm at a point where facts and opinions seem to have been conflated, and I don't get it, and it's really being exemplified by your country at this moment. I think it goes on around the world. Yeah. It happens here in Canada. So do you have a perspective on that? When did facts and opinions become the same thing? Because that's where we're at with your president right now yeah. and his minions and his followers. Do you have an, a, an opinion on that? I mean, I would have to say, I don't even know if this is and certainly not an original thought, but when... Fox News, right, which is sort of an opinion based and now it's just a out and out uh, 
what's the opposite propaganda. of propaganda <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. machine and and you know and then it's like the correct opinion is Hitler is bad but if you have someone on let's say MSNBC which a lot of people would say is the opposite of Fox News but I don't believe it is I believe it's probably closer to just normal what news used to be, you know, mm, the, mm-hmm. the reporting on what the president's doing and the president is doing insane things. And so that is now called the left leaning opinion. And it's like, no, no, no. We're, that's just the fact. There may be yes. a host that gives their opinion. And, and that's, you know, so now every show is like personality driven, host driven. There's no one just reading the news and entire generations, right, have grown up without even remembering like when someone just sat there and read the news and then people in my parents generation are I guess less media savvy in a weird way and so they can fall for things and to me like the underlying thing is is that it it did start with Fox News and it and it's an underlying you know it appeals to everybody's underlying anxiety so they believe what comforts them even if what comforts them is to get all riled up about the other it gives them something to focus on, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you know Rick Wilson? Yeah, I know Rick. He was a conservative dude, and he is a conservative dude. But he's taken mm-hmm. over. He's part of the Lincoln Project, and so he's gone from being, if I may, this is yeah. my sense of him. He went from being a race baiting, fucking asshole conservative guy, uh, yep. completely, to yep. now saying, "Oh no, I have a moral center," and this guy, Trump. That's yeah. not right. That's not the Republican Party I signed up for, which yep. to me, frankly, and I'm not trying, I'm trying to control my temper here. As a Canadian, <laughs> we're not supposed to be angry. I will say that it's laughable to me that yeah. this guy has swung around. This whole Frankenstein, if you view Trump, he's, you know, for a lot of us, he's a monster, but he's a Frankenstein. He is the epitome of it. Easily yes. swayed by Democratic opinions. He's been a Democrat. He's been a Republican. He is just an opportunist. And well, and that and, and a successful one. And this Wilson and the Lincoln Project people are like, no, this isn't what we signed up for. Yes, he's and he's uh, you know in a position where all of the policies we want and legislation we want, pretty much, you know, he's doing that stuff. But we can't handle him as an avatar of morality and that and and conservatism in its truest form. But you guys created him. You created him when you worked for Bush. You created him when you worked for the Republican Party and yep. fostered Fox News. Sorry, I'm ranting. I no, just... no. Well, well, I was going to say that, you know, it really, he said something once that really um, explained what, what you asked me, that which is that, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I believe that this is true, that when they were doing race baiting ads, you know, against Obama, what he said he was trying to do as a political operative, you know, and a soulless one for doing this, but he wanted to get the people uh, that were racist to come out of the cracks and vote. And then the expectation was they'd just go back inside. Yes. And that has happened in the past. Sure. But they, like you said, they created a monster and that was a really risky thing to do. I mean, is that all you have to run on, you know? And, you know, I do think that the Lincoln Project did help Biden win. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, we're catering to this 30%. Now they've grown to a 40%. And 
I just, you know, there's no relief for me that, that Joe Biden won. I, I, I'm the fact that, I mean, I love him. That's nothing to do with him. It's just that even just the, the casual comments on Twitter, and I know people are just being silly, but they're like, I can't wait to relax. And I'm like, you guys, we can never relax yeah. again. Yeah. We, we got a short breather from our democracy almost ending a short breather. It is, we're still in the battle of our lives, you know? We are we are nowhere near nowhere near winning. Well, we, let me we, you know I, I hear you, but let me go back to what I was saying earlier about how Republicans. I was kind of trying to argue that Republicans and conservatives are really good at attacking, and Democrats tend to be more on uh, progressives, liberals, Democrats tend to be like I want to hear you out, I want to hear your opinions. Yes, correct. So, yeah. what does it say about the state of affairs that? Because Democrats have been, and I, again, I'm, uh, I'll just say this: Democrats have been so feckless in trying to combat yeah. these attacks. The Lincoln Project, a group of Republicans, had to come yeah. through to really go after Republicans. We know their game. We set it up. We created this game. Yeah. We know what they're doing. Why can't? Is it civility? I know we talked about facts, and I do think that. Reasonable civil I think people. It's civility. Is it civility? But is that a fact based? So. Is it a fact based thing too? Like an intellectual? Like, look, I hear what you're saying, and your a passion and your opinion is is what it is. But it doesn't align with the facts. And so, as a person responding to your point of view, I must cite facts and figures. <laughs> and no. you and you've sort of said like. Bernie Sanders is not an effective politician because he doesn't know how to be a politician. He has facts, and those facts aren't always soothing and appealing to a broad group of people. There's truth in that, but I also am like, yeah, but as a logical person, I would rather hear the facts than be pandered well, to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the problem is, again, is we're catering to this 30%. So you know, the Democrats want to be sensitive. We're also a big tent. We don't go in lockstep with our leader. You know, mm -hmm. Obama got in office and immediately was criticized from every wing of the party because, oh, he didn't do this. That wasn't liberal enough. Or, you know, I was definitely losing my mind a few times. Hmm. And and other times I realized I was just being a, a brat. I guess I was trying to think of a better word. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think it's that it's that civility where we think we're going to win over this 30 percent that are Nazis. And and so there's there's that. But I also think I don't know. We're so caught up in this precedent, you know, like we keep in the past. We have given up or lost things because we don't fight back with illegal measures, you know? <laughs> Which is and, reasonable. That's a reasonable and, position to take in a civilized society, yeah. I think there are, I think Democrats are always looking ahead. Well, if we break the rules now in order to fight these bullies, then now we've created this blah, blah, blah thing. And so I, I think it has to do with, with that. I, mm. I don't know. You know, I, I just... You know, you don't want someone acting as crazy as Trump. But what I do appreciate about Biden is he just scoffs at him and and is just like, yeah, you know, yeah. this guy. It, that is a refreshing attitude to see because it's a little bit it's not civil, but it's not uncivil. It's it's the proper response. But I don't know. I don't yeah. know the Democrats reasons. I think one, we're a big tent. We're trying to appeal to everyone. I do, I do think it's a great quality, you know, 
sure, <laughs> but it just doesn't always work out when you're fighting fascism. It's not, you know, like the notion of let's put this aside and try to work together. That's not, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, if the Republican Party reinvents itself to where it's more of a center party, then yeah, I'm sure there's things we can work on. But I, I will tell it's, you, it's, yeah, it's ignorant. From my observation, there is nothing to alter that party, that group of people. I, I think of Newtown and the reactions. Yeah. Like, if that wasn't enough to I create know. true... Sorry, we're going in a whole, whole... You're learning a lot about me. Sorry, Jen. But I'm just saying, like, you've got a, yeah. you've got a, a guns issue. You've got a, a violence issue there. And I remember mm-hmm. Newtown thinking, well, this has got to be it. This has got to change things. Yeah. And it didn't. And so... And and it's so sad to know from my end, I knew this isn't it. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at with it. So you talked about you're in a fractured country. Uh, I've talked with other people on this show about how close are we to a civil war, maybe? Because to your point, a lot of my friends now are saying, well, these MAGA people are going to make a big fuss for the next few weeks, but then they're going to go away. I don't think so. And you've got this guy. No, no, no. They're not going away. They're not going away. And I think, yeah, they've been legitimized. They've been platformed. They've been... Their views are kind yeah. of in the... They're in the White House. They're basically in the White House. So that you don't go back from that. And I also think, yeah, like this, your 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 current president is like, I'm going to run in 2024. As we're speaking, that's his claim. And so I'm like, yeah. Jesus, we're not going to get rid of him. He's going to start his campaign. He's just going to be... We couldn't even get rid of him with COVID. He didn't <laughs> die. Can you believe Yeah, I'm trying to be careful An with elderly that. elderly man. I'm, I keep those uh, feelings to myself. Well, I, but <laughs> Well, I'm not saying I wish, but I'm just saying it seems almost like biblical at this point where it's like an elderly man with comorbidities. Yeah didn't die when he got COVID. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, he's he's got some strong genes. Yes. And, you know, he also has... Here's the thing. He won't... He may start to run, but he doesn't... He's just saying that, um, and they're just saying that to him. And, and he's not conceding because he wants... I mean, the, the not conceding thing is only to delegitimize the election so that once Joe Biden is inaugurated, 40% of the country will think he stole it, and that's how they will behave for the next four years. They, they might find another leader. They, there probably already is one in some underground thing that we don't even know about. You know, well, the yeah. evil is always a few steps ahead. So it's like, you know... Um, <sighs> I don't think Trump can actually run. I do think he has dementia, and and I think it's really going to start revving up. And, I agree and accelerating. I agree. Yeah, I follow a couple of doctor. Do you know this Tom Joseph fellow on Twitter? He's a guy. He's a. I love following Tom yeah, Joseph. Okay. He's always right. <laughs> he has been correct. He's like yeah, yeah. He's been correct about Trump's decline. Yeah. Um. It seems to be. Uh, you know, pretty on point with just even the, the little things like, and that's why it makes me crazy when people keep asking the same questions. Why does he do this? Because he's a narcissist, like very sick narcissist yeah. who has dementia. Like those are your two answers. Goodbye. Everything else doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, uh, so yeah, I, I'm with you on it. I moved, I, I wanted to, uh, I'll explain something briefly about myself here. I'm my family and I moved from Ontario uh, to, uh-huh. to Alberta. I'm calling you from Edmonton, Alberta. And this province, uh, I've come to realize, Ooh. I, I kind of, have you ever been to, have you been to Alberta? Uh, no, I haven't been to Edmonton, but I've heard that it's like, if I'm homesick for, 
<laughs> MAGA America ever that I could go to Edmonton. No, Edmonton is not necessarily the hub for what you're thinking of. Calgary can be. Okay. Parts of Alberta definitely can be. But Edmonton is considered more of a progressive on some level. There's Maybe I'm just basing it on the, the comedy club there that I've people I've yes. heard don't, don't like performing at. There's a comedy club in the... I, again, I got here in January and then everything shut down. But like I made this comment before, I made people were like, aren't you going to miss the shows and the restaurants in Ontario? And I said, yeah, I guess I will a little bit. And then like two months later, no one could enjoy that stuff. So I I'm starting to feel a little magical, like in an evil way, like maybe my being is causing us to suffer. And I'm mad at myself is all I'm getting at here. But my <laughs> do you know, I have I have the same thing where I uh, said last December, you know, I really need a break from everything. Like I'm just very run down and I I don't like uh, taking time off because there's always a million emails waiting and a million projects to start. Once you get back, I said, I need the whole world to shut down for like a year. Yeah. Just so I can think and get some headspace. I said that in December um, to a friend and uh, so I always think this is my fault. <laughs> How's but that working out? I, I, <laughs> is it working out? I take. Yeah, it's yes, it's it's been you know, it's been great for me, but yeah. I mean I'm I'm half kidding, but but yeah, the solace I take is that the bat had already been eaten by the time I said that, so it's not totally my fault. <laughs> this can't be our fault. My point it's here It's not your fault either. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you, Jen. Uh, my point here is that Alberta uh, for decades and decades and decades had a conservative government, which is in keeping with what you're saying about this province being conservative or or a lot like MAGA. And then um somewhat recently it went to in Canada. We have a far a, a rel, the far left party here is called the New Democratic Party, and they won after just decades oh, okay. of conservative. And so that's when I started to be like, you know what? My wife's family is from here. We've talked about maybe relocating. It's a long ways away, but I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, the NDP. That's cool. That's kind of interesting. But then now, in charge is like something called the United Conservative Party, which is farther right than the old conservative party. And it's just got me thinking about what's going on in your country, too. This oscillation in the voting populace between I had eight yes. I had eight years of Obama, which was yep. totally different. He wasn't a radical, but it was a radical shift in your paradigm to have, yep. you know, an African-American president, a cool person as your president, like a relatively young, whatever you thought about it, yeah. like he was kind of cool. Like he people thought totally. he was cool. To go from that to just the 180, complete 180, it seems bizarre to me that we're in a zone where, to your point earlier, like how do we have an effective leader when the country is so split and swings so wildly in its moodiness in terms of who they want to vote for? Just voting for the change for the sake of change without thinking about the end game. So anyway, I just feel like your your country and my province... <laughs> Kind of in a similar yeah. boat, and I don't know what it says. Like, why are we just? Does this say something about our general unhappiness? Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, why are people just wildly trying different things every time they have the opportunity? It's weird. I, 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 do, I go back to misinformation and people's anxiety about their own how it affects them personally, yeah. and and just not understanding basic civics and how government works and maybe America's too big and too diverse. You know, I don't, yeah. we can't even have a civil war anymore. If you want to think about drawing battle lines that make sense, you know, like North and South that made sense. But um, no, it's like the middle of the country voted red 
and the coasts. I guess the, what is the term? Coastal elites. I don't. Coastal elite, <laughs> which is just. Well, so I, I was look. And, I was looking at the map, and I'm like, that's weird. Like it's pretty much the, both coasts are blue, like almost except for. It's really like a city versus country thing, you know, and. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Again, like I've got to say, like no one in the cities is against rural America. You know, it's 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 kind of a one sided hate. Do you have a theory? Do you do you have any theories about why you know you've traveled the country? Do you have any theories about why rural America seems particularly entrenched in tradition and conservatism, if you will? Do you have any opinions on that or, or ideas about that? Not that I, I mean, I've gone all over the country, and honestly. Every time I do, I just, I don't see this hatred. You know what I mean? I don't see what I see on TV. I, it's there. It's there. It's there. I'm not, I'm not denying racism and, and, or anything like that. I'm just saying like, I mean like, that sounded stupid. I, I just don't see this, uh, well, you're from the big city. Like, I don't see that kind of condescension between country and city. But yeah. it comes out in the voting. Yeah, that's what I'm. And again, we're not we're not doctors. We don't know how to solve all of politics right now during our podcast conversation. But it it does make me. It's made me think about a. I had a, a, a musician on my show. His name's Kevin Morby, and he lives in Kansas. And so we had a discussion about this, and I landed on a couple of things that I'm curious about your perspective on. Farmers are involved in a very ancient practice. Uh, so any progress in the outside world, it doesn't really impact. Maybe they get a new piece of machinery. Maybe there's more supply sometimes, but they're basically getting up and doing kind of the same thing. And the world is changing. And they're also working like 18 hours a day. Yeah. You know, I'm, again, I'm generalizing, but if you're working at the same thing, it's an ancient practice, and the world is, you're not going to be so concerned about what pronouns to use and uh, other kind of cultural sensitivities. You've got work to do. Do you think that's part of this somehow? Uh, I honestly don't know that I agree or disagree. I, I suppose, but I feel like that's, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm from a working class family and it's, it's hard for me to say that because I think it sounds a little condescending, you know, like, but I know what you mean. I, I honestly just think it has to do with. You know, this notion that cut everyone who voted for Trump out of your life. If people know me and see me and understand me, then they might be more willing to just kind of notice on their own that there really is no threat or something. I, I, I don't know. I, I the, the whole thing with that, like, people are busy working. They don't care about pronouns. Uh, maybe. I also think, like, maybe well, they Well, I just didn't mean don't. it to be... I didn't mean it disparagingly. I just meant that's a fact. If you're too... Like, I feel like the working class does... They're busy. We're all we. The, those of us who work every day, yeah, we're kind of busy. It's hard to stay on top of all the stuff that's changing. That, that's, that's all I'm true. getting at. Yeah, there. that's true. I mean, I do think people need things explained to them. Like, I think basically this for anyone who's scared of anything, whether it's pronouns or, uh, I I don't know. Is is there's room for everyone? We're just making room. No one is taking anything from you. But you know, I feel like just everything's been turned upside down. Like. The post office isn't revered anymore like it used to be. It's so, you know, I yeah. almost long for this post-World War II America, which I know I would not be have much freedom in and is totally racist and homophobic. But I just mean in terms of basic things being respected, like the post office and Social Security and, you know, the basically 
our government breaks itself so that it can then sell the government is broken pitch to America and then they vote for the anti-government people and that just keeps going that way. Government yeah. has become this dirty word and it's not, you know, it's it's to me it's not. And well, I Well, there, there's there's also something going on here in terms of our relationship to change. Like change, progress, things changing. Yeah. So I wonder if you if you think of yourself, are you someone who embraces change? Are you stuck in your ways? Do you is it like when you find out about some new thing that everyone's talking about or mm-hmm. doing, are you like, "What? I feel out of the loop here. I don't know what I don't want to I don't have time to figure out what that is." Do you see yourself in in, in those terms at all? Like, are do you like I'm I know this about myself. Generally, I don't like change, but I try to adapt to I, just to stay hip and cool and relevant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I try pretty- to keep up on everything. I'm pretty adaptable and I, I don't mind change at all. I'm in my, in my life is, is like a big bowl of, of change. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, I don't know, it's, it's not always comfortable, but in terms of like other things changing, you know, I have learned so much in the past four years and I, I look back on versions of myself and I go, God, I wasn't as woke as I thought, not even close. And so I don't mind change. But, you know, I don't have yeah. I've done a lot of work on anxiety and ego and all that stuff like my entire life. So there's part of change that it's actually true. Like I know I just said there's room for everyone and we'll be OK. But there's actually part of change as well where it is time to step aside a little bit. And that sometimes there isn't as much room for you. And that doesn't mm. bother me. Like I'm happy to to make room for others and like it's kind of like we're all gonna die you know what I mean it's the same thing it's like it's kind of funny now that like I'm a generation x like middle-aged white woman like I don't you know there's plenty of young people that don't think I'm cool and and uh Mm -hmm. and I'm Mm -hmm. not doing anything exact you know and it doesn't bother me I'm like well what's time for me to move aside in some ways it it just doesn't bother me but you know and also my livelihood does depend on it so I don't know why I'm so whatever with it but you know I just don't I've worked on this stuff separately than than to do with career and separately to do with politics so yeah it's it's paying off kind of but yeah yeah but there's some things I I I do (laughs) notice myself like going I wonder what that is. Like, I'll give you an example. I keep hearing people say unhoused now instead of homeless. Yes. I have no problem with that. I just don't know where it came from, when it started, how I, like, has this been going on for years? Do I not know? And then, of course, a thought goes through my head, like, well, what's wrong with saying homeless? But I'm not upset about it. I'm just like, I wonder what's wrong with it. And then I'll learn and I won't say it. But but it is, the thought does cross my mind where I'm like, well, now, where was I at that meeting? Not that I would have weighed in and said we're keeping homeless. I just mean sometimes I don't know where things come from, you know. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, I'm never I, like, what the fuck? No, but I, you and I, I think, based on your specials and and how often you cite it, I think you and I are around the same age. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of I don't know what your I mean. I guess your father has appeared. Your actual father has appeared in at least one of your specials, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you've explained on your podcast that he is a Trump supporter. Um, and I, where I'm coming from is like, I'm trying to think of my dad at my, age, like when my dad was my age now. Yeah. And, and I think about my son and my daughter relating to me. And yeah. I don't ever remember my dad being engaged with pop culture, 
with anything like that. Whereas、mm. most of people, maybe your age and mine, seem to have a longer shelf life of being engaged with what's going on in culture, not just the news. Like my dad, like most dads, would watch the news, the evening news, and that's about、yeah. all. But we never talked about music. Like my kid. It's like Papa, Papa. Like, can we play Minecraft? Can we play Among Us? And I say, sure, I can try and do that. And、uh, yeah. I never did that with my dad. And I don't know if that says something about me, but does it feel like Jen? I'm trying to argue that maybe we're our generation is staying cool a little bit longer. This this could come across really weird. And no, no, no. I do think it's true. Our generation is staying cool longer, but my parents are oddly a weird exception, a very strange exception. Oh.、Um, My parents are eighty-two, and they go to this casino. And my mom will call me and be like, "I saw Alicia Keys last night." Now, I didn't like it as much as I liked.、Um, like she's seen a million things. Like she's gone to see. Like I, there's a story I was telling on the road last year about.、Um, my parents are kind of strict with me when I was growing up, and they were older than most parents. My parents are not boomers; they're silent generation. Yeah. So they.、Uh, You know, they had me when they were closer to forty. I was the youngest, so when I was younger, I had a Boy George poster. It really freaked my mom out,、hmm. and then I don't remember much. She just sort of, I don't know, made some comments about it. That was it, really. But like maybe five years ago, she saw him in concert because she gets free tickets because they're always at this yeah、casino. at the casino、and、yeah、so、there's shows there. yeah 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 and so and she's like. Oh, I saw Jennifer. I met like I will get phone calls. I'm in bed asleep at 10 p.m. It's like 1 a.m. their time. I'm like, hello. She's like, Jennifer, I'm at the Boy George concert. You know, <laughs> my dad went to see Marilyn Manson. Like, what? do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> wow, that's、uh... my the, like Smashing Pumpkins and Marilyn Manson were playing together at the casino. My sister wanted to go, so my th- she lives in Massachusetts. My dad got tickets and and he went with her. He didn't want her to be lonely, and. He didn't mind Marilyn Manson. He thought it was a little weird, but he thought it was kind of cool.、Oh. And my my mom was like, she called me with this whole speech. Like I saw all these kids dressed in black, just like you did growing up, and <laughs> I realized like these are the artists of the world. So it's very strange because my parents are not conservative. Yeah, I think my dad just got like whatever the Trump thing. But so. But you're right. Like Gen X is. No, I don't know. I'm gonna say one thing. I don't know because we always taught music and and all that was such a big thing growing up. And I had a weird relationship with my parents where I was. My sisters are so much older than me. I was the only one left in the house from age eight and up. Yeah. And I kept my parents involved in what I was interested in. In an effort so that they could be less strict, like they knew all about like Nirvana and and you know here's Morrissey and this is why I like it. Like I actively involved them in my life,、right. and so they kept up on it. For me, though, as a Gen X, like, and I don't have kids, like I don't care what any new music is. I don't want to know.、Mm-hmm. And if I know something, I'm like. You know, pretty proud of myself, but like when I see stuff on TikTok and people are dancing, I'm like, I don't know what that song is. So, like, we seem cool because like we don't <laughs> like we dress cool, maybe, but like I don't know that we're that cool. Well, I think it's as internet engaged people, though, as, as I think you and I both are. You tend to at least get a sense of everything. Like it's like my friend says, he never has to read art. Yes, yes. He yes. never has to read a news article because、yeah. the headline tells him everything he feels. Like it, I got it. I figured it out. Similarly, like yeah, I'll see the TikTok video you're talking about, which was unspecific and unspecified, but、I'll, as an example, and I'll hear a bit of that yeah, song, yeah. and then 
a few days later, I'll be scrolling through something and there's that song again. And then someone might explain a bit more about it. And at the end of the week... Yeah, like eventually you figure yeah, it out. And that's kind of just... It's an internet thing, I think, probably. Like, I've been yeah, trying yeah. to figure it out. Like, anyway, it's. I just wonder. I, th- I think because you and I are the same age, we relate to the world roughly, I think. We probably relate to the world in a... In a similar way, and you mentioned. Well, I think we're we're unwilling to be closed off. Yes, like we're not gonna we're we're gonna stay more woke. You know, my my parents are bizarre exception in that in funny music anecdote, but like we're definitely we don't want to end up the old white people that everyone hates. <laughs> well, it's gonna be hard for me to be an old white person. I'll tell you that right now. Just uh, based. Oh well, okay, <laughs> for, for me. We're <laughs> no. gonna be the old yeah, man. Yeah, I'll be an old man. I feel like an old man. No, uh, one of the reasons I bring this up is because um, I think as a comedian, as me, me as a fan of comedy and and in from, and the news, I guess, and pop culture, you as a comedian uh, with similar interests, information is really key to your practice like just being aware of how people talk what they talk about your take on it uh i think that's probably part of why you're likely so engaged with what's going on and at least even peripherally like you're kind of aware of stuff but i do think you've made an interesting i don't know how conscious it was for you to make this choice but as a comedian in your social media for for instance you there's a certain amount of audacity to opine about what's going on in the world and I always yeah. I value comedians for being truth tellers in this regard, um, but I know some comedians have avoided it. Their socials are just jokes, uh, you know, observations. Yeah. Did you do a balancing act? Like, what are the pros and cons of me being an outspoken person about politics, about men being assholes, about uh, some of the things you talk about? Like, w- did you ever have a moment of pause about expressing yourself in those ways? No, because I'm not that famous, and like honestly. It's really just like you'll find your people and I I have my people and I don't really care. You know, maybe I'm crazy, yeah. maybe I'm self-destructive. I just don't care and and I don't have political comedy in my act. So I just like I don't think of myself as a comedian, you know, like I didn't mean to stay in it so long and I, hmm. I just think of myself as Jen. Uh, I'm a TV writer, I'm a person, I'm a you know, like I don't even miss stand up right now. Like I don't care. So I just opine because that's what I would do if no one knew me and I was just talking, you know, it's like, mm. it's just where I, f- I just am shouting into the wind, you know, um, it's just become a weird habit. I think I used to try to do more jokes on Twitter, but that was in a different world, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm just not sitting around like thinking of funny things to say at the moment, but yeah. And I do use it as a way to, the men's stuff like feminism stuff I do use it as a way to culturally try to teach but it's not like it may have affected my tour numbers I mean they haven't been great but I also think that has to do with like there's just so many factors but like well, yeah, you're either yeah. huge or you're not but like uh, I don't really worry about it because I don't know my only living isn't stand up but also just like I'm just not that calculated, you know, like there's a lot of comedians that are basically like sociopathic robots and they calculate everything. And yeah, I just don't. I, I just always j- gone with how I feel. And I don't think I like need to tell the truth or do anything like that. But I'm just like, 
I feel like the internet is its own world. And then when I'm on stage, that's a different world. And some people only know me from Twitter. They don't even know I do stand-up. Some people just know my stand-up. Mm. Some people know both and they get the two worlds. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. Your, your living room might be one color. Your bedroom might be another. And it's not like, whoa, what's the, what's the thing here? Like, what's that all about? You know, like I'm just a human. And to me, my Twitter is just where I go to. To me, Twitter is like a political tool, almost, you know, Interesting. or yeah. like a connecting with people like, you know, um, it's kind of helped during the pandemic to just feel out where everyone's at, you know, but it used to be something totally different for me. Totally different. Like yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah, it's changed. It has changed for sure. Um, it's interesting to me that you so in the realm of stand up, say, say, let's say you have a top three. Voc- vocational descriptions of Jen Kirkman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I gather from what you were just saying, like stand-up might be a bit lower on the list than some of us might expect. Is that fair to say? Like you don't think of yourself. I will say, I already gave you a compliment earlier about your specials. You're a wonderful stand-up. Yeah. It's, you're just a, you're a fantastic yeah. stand-up. The, the, perform- the writing and the performance of it all, it's so, you're great. So to me, to hear that you're like, I don't miss it. It's not even something I necessarily consider my maybe first mm-hmm. first job is that what you're kind of saying like it's it's on the list well it it was it's changed you know yeah. i've been doing it 25 years and the la- i had some success during the years of those specials but you know i i taped those in 2014 and 2016 yeah. and wrote all the material you saw between 2010 and 2014 so i haven't you know and i was on the road a lot the last couple of years but it's like unless you're huge, like literally selling out thousand seat theaters, it's a lot of work. And yeah, yeah. I didn't know that 25 years in with two Netflix specials, I still wouldn't be huge. And I'm not, I don't care about fame. I just want my life to be relatively easy. And it's just a lot of work to do like yeah. 30 weeks a year to make what I could just make writing for TV or even more writing for TV. And so I, I just, I don't really think about it or plan my career. I just do what comes and I've, I've like, didn't ever plan to be a touring comedian. I didn't even really know that was a thing. Like I just sort of kept stepping into things and yes, I mean, comedy was always my first thing, but now it's like comedy is changing and, and I tell stories and I do my podcast. So it's like, if I tour again, like I'm not going back to clubs. Like I, I've just had a, a radical shift since Oh, okay. the pandemic and all that stuff. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily want to be part of the comedy world. It's just like full of jocks now and conspiracy theorists. And, and I don't think it's that, that cool anymore. And I, you know, Hmm. last year before the pandemic, I found like, I, I found that I didn't have a lot to say because, you know, my first special is like, I'm divorced. I don't want kids, blah, blah. That was like 10 years of developing a self. And then everyone got to see it. And then the next special was like, what had been going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. While I'm, Yeah. Yeah, While I'm performing, I'm going to die alone. I'm living what ended up being just keep living. Then after that, you get successful. You're working all the time. Your life just becomes work. There's zero to talk about. Like, so Mm. I'm going to need, you know, more life experience. Like people in my life will die. I'll go through menopause. I'll do, you know what I mean? I'll get married again. I'll whatever. But I just haven't had a life. And so I don't really feel like I have anything to talk about. Not in a bad way. I just, and so what ended up happening organically during the pandemic was I started um, writing about anxiety and I would send out this like giant 50 page PDF for anyone that needed it. And I started doing a newsletter and making these videos about it. And uh, I'm, I can't say what it is, but I have a project coming out in 2021. That's like, 
going to take up most of my time that will be about like talking about anxiety. So it's like I'm trying to make a shift in my life because like I'm not this like stand up geek. I just wanted to talk and be heard. And so however I can do it. And so it's like I'll do my pot. You know, like if I could be Fran Lebowitz, that's who I'd want to be. You know, I I just (laughs) don't. I don't my mind is changing and I don't think of things in terms of jokes anymore having to if I'm funny I'm funny great and I might change my mind but like I just this obsession with comedy has just really it's just really stolen the joy of it from yeah, me for the past I, few years I can see that yeah. even as someone who's attended you know when I was in Ontario there was the annual uh, JFL 42 festival um, yeah and yeah. I it, love that festival. No, it was good. It's cool. It just, yeah. there was, it was starting to feel like a chore somehow <laughs> to go. <laughs> and and I feel like there is a bit of feeling that way. Like comedy is becoming a bit of a, for some of us, like I, I'm an ardent comedy fan and yeah. it's hard to talk about it in this regard. But yeah, it, I see, I know where you're coming from. It's kind of yeah. hard. It's not really tangible necessarily. Like it's, you can't, I, you've pointed to a few examples of why, but it does feel... Well, it's also like, you know, once it becomes a job, it's like... And also, like, I have a life. Like, I don't want to be gone all the time yeah, and, like, by myself yeah, yeah. and, you know. And and for me, too, like, I've got to diversify, you know. Like, it, it's yeah. scary to get older and think, like, the only thing I can do is stand up. But, but I you know, I started in the late 90s before there was internet. And so, like, what I thought stand-up was has changed. And so I'm not, like... What things are different, but I'm like, oh, I thought stand up was this thing, like, oh, everything's different now. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. No, no, but, that's like, but it's good. We some of us fall into traps where we just keep doing the same thing over and over again because it's what we've always yeah. done, and you seem to be breaking. F- just because you made specials, just because people know you uh, as a stand up, doesn't mean that's who you are forever. And I think Twitter maybe is, and the pandemic, it's done the same for me. Like, I, I feel like. Oh, wait a minute. Like the way we were taught to live and go to work yeah. and commute, like, wait a minute. Like those of us who have been, you know, I can kind of do this from home. I don't really need to bring this laptop from my house to the office and back again every day. Like, why do I need to do that? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. And it's, it's super weird. And I know that in, I know in, in my head, and I'm not a conspiracy, I'm not conspiratorial. But I know that it was driving a whole industry uh, to get us moving around and buying food at restaurants and taking public transit or buying gas. I heard that. And I was like, that never dawned on me because I was saying to someone, one of my day jobs back in the day in like 2000 was in New York City and it was at a startup. And I don't know if you remember that documentary startup.com. I remember I didn't. I don't think I watched it. I know of what you're speaking, though. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, I'm only referencing it because I was just going to say my life in the I worked at a bunch of startups in New York. And so my it very much is like that movie. They just kept going under and closing and whatever. But the one thing that every startup said was, you know, and I worked same thing, like people were starting to get laptops and I was like, you know, (laughs) trading in my word processor for a laptop. And the one thing everybody said was people are going to start being able to work from home because of these laptops. And I was like, wow, that's so exciting. And that's so cool. And, and it never happened. And I remember thinking, wait, why did we, why are we still going? I, I get sometimes you need that sense of community, certainly uh, in writing, you got to be in the writer's room, Yeah. but does it have to be every day? You know, could it be once a week? There's a big meeting and you work in the office to whatever. 
But you're right. Like someone did say it's because of Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's madness. It is madness to me that I used to have to get up at six in the morning when I had a job, a certain job in Toronto. Uh, I lived in, I lived outside of Toronto. I lived about an hour away by car, but I would take the train and it was madness. I was taking the laptop, unplugging it and putting it in a bag and then taking an hour and a half commute on the train. So three hours a day, I was just commuting for no reason with the same computer I used in both places <laughs> on the internet, and I could have done it all from the comfort of my home and been more productive, frankly. I wouldn't have been exhausted. And so anyway, that's kind of what's happened right now. If you're lucky enough to have like a white-collar job or a job yeah. that's, if you're an independent person like like yourself and you can do it from your house, on some level, like a whole bunch of us have not really been impacted. We're lucky, I would say. We're not frontline workers. We're not essential workers on some level. It's not to diminish what we do, but it is nuts. Like I have not, I've been saving money really. And you know, I'm not buying, oh, I forgot to make my lunch. So I got to spend $15 at this place every day or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's weird. Yeah. This year has been easier for me too. Last year was really tough. Like I, my, it was, the road was costing me money. I was trying to find a writing job. I couldn't find one. It was just like the worst year ever. Yeah. I was like, just losing money left and right and then <laughs> something happened like in January and I got a bunch of work like writing jobs and I was fine like I've been saving money this year I've been doing fine and I everyone I feel terrible that yes I have guilt in this I have guilt in I making guilt. this observation but I also think for it's weird like I think that's why certain industries are panicking uh, because we the jig is kind of up for some of them uh, and yeah. Well, it's also an environmental issue too. Yes. You know, even thinking about the road, like I got to be honest, like I do I love standing up on stage? Yes. Be me there, I'd probably, you know, <laughs> go back to the road. But I'm getting on a plane and now it's like every season, you know, I uh, this is how I think when I book tours. Like my manager will be like, "How about Atlanta in September?" I'm like, "Ooh, that's hurricane season." You know, because yeah. I don't yeah. want to fly in these choppy flights or yeah. oh, December and so I and the weather is so erratic, like I can't even guess anymore. Every flight was becoming insanely turbulent, and that is a global warming, climate change yep. thing. Yep. Um, and there was just so much unpleasant travel that I was like, I'm spending one hour a night doing the part I love. And like, this is dumb. Like, I, I don't need to be, you know, once in a while, like pick my five favorite cities, Sometimes that changes and, and hit them up every year. I, I think I would still love to do. But the constant traveling, I just felt like it's not the same because you have to commute when you're a road comic. But even just living in L.A. So that point made no sense. But that was just me complaining. Well, but like living in L.A. and seeing the mountains so clearly when we all stayed home for a month. Yeah, I saw those photos. And now everyone's. Yeah, now everyone's back out and it's just back to back to normal. Like yeah. we learned nothing and I'm so angry about it. I am too. I am too. But um there are silver linings um on some level and you have an upcoming event that is sort of <laughs> yes! sort of taking advantage of this situation in a sense. I don't mean it in a in a nefarious way, but you are I would say you sound when you talk about your your upcoming uh, thing on uh, it's on December fourth, isn't it? It's a Christmas thing, yes. right? Yeah, you it's when, a Christmas show. Oh yeah. When you talk about it, you have a little lilt in your in your voice, a joyful lilt, like mm -hmm. the whole world could actually yeah. attend this event for the first time ever. <laughs> Can you tell us more about this event uh, and what it is sure. and how it's going to work this year? 
Yes. Yeah, so every year in L.A. at the Hollywood Improv, I would just do a Christmas show, you know, truly just because it's a uh, I'm not going to go on the road in December. So it was like some income and I would do this Christmas show and I called it the dysfunctional Christmas show. I don't remember how or why it started, but it's totally earnest. I love Christmas, but it's also I call it like the Christmas party that you want to go to. And so I, every year I start the show and I ask the audience, like, how many of you are dreading going to see your family because you you know, don't have kids or you're not married or something in your life your family is ashamed of you about mm-hmm. or you don't have any money this year or you're single. You thought it would, you know, and everyone claps and says they feel like crap about who they are. And I'm like, great. So for one hour, we're all together, this dysfunctional group of people, and we'll all remember that we have each other and we go off to see our families and, you know, whatever to our Christmas parties, like we'll remember this moment that you're not alone, right? So, and I usually, it's not quite a stand-up show, but... I have special guest stand-up comedians and they tell dark stories. You know, like in in past years, I've had a friend tell a story about like the last night that she drank before getting sober and it it was Christmas Eve and it took her all over the country like without her shoes, you know, or just something like that. Or... And I do these sketches that are like Hallmark movie spoofs and they're staged readings. Like it's supposed to look bad, like, you know, middle school theater (laughs) and, uh, and there's usually a musical guest and uh, yeah, it's really stupid and fun and, but it can totally be done online. And, and every year when I would do it, people would be like, oh my God, you should come here and do it. You should come to this city and do it. And obviously that is not going to happen in, in the winter. And so I'm excited that the dysfunctional Christmas show is now the most dysfunctional it will ever be because it's yeah. me alone in my living room during a global pandemic and there will be special guests. I just don't announce them because. Um, I, no, I, I, I get it. It's pe- a bit of a, are, a pe- people. Yeah, it's just supposed to be like it's an hour. It's fun. It's sketch. It's music. It's stand ups telling stories. And it gives people the that tradition started because so many people would cancel. <laughs> right. Of course. Because, the weather. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, because it was. Oh. um LA like I mean because it was um December like on a weekend night and they'd be like oh my god I have a Christmas party I have to go to I can't do the oh, show or whatever right so right. I kept it flexible you know um and so it's just kind of a tradition where it's surprise guests and and uh anyway so it's December 4th at 6 p.m pacific time 9 p.m eastern time the good part about it is if you buy a ticket you have it for 48 hours so if you can't watch it live you can watch it whenever okay now I want to get I want to get some more information about about how people can do that like you know just that housekeeping kind of stuff I guess is what it's called or logistics but yeah. before before we get to that though I appreciate that you can't reveal who's participating or who who you hope will participate this year can you give us a flavor of past guests maybe that would sort of ex- give us a sense of who you've had uh, perform before I no <laughs> It's not going to be, it's no one famous. Like, oh, it's not going to, oh, it's, it's, do you know what I mean? It's okay. just sort okay. of, That's yeah, fair. it's I, not going to, yeah, I, I know that sounds really dumb, but like, <laughs> I don't, I was, and honestly, I kind of don't remember. Like, okay. That's fair. I just thought I would, yeah. Give, if you're like, it's not like, it's not Norm Black McDonald, Sabbath. You didn't get Black you know. Sabbath to be your musical guest or something, did you? No. No. Okay. That's what I'm. Like, you... I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. One year, the musical guest was an old friend from high school who lives in San Francisco, and he was like, uh, he plays <laughs> acoustic guitar really well, and he's like really funny, and he's like, I've always wanted to try stand up. I'm like, fly down and do my show. Your first time on stage will be the dysfunctional Christmas show. Oh, that's nice. And 
Do you know what I mean? It's stuff like that. And he okay. told a story about, um, he told a really funny story. He totally crushed it. And then he played Last Christmas acoustically by George Michael. We turned the lights off and we all waved candles in the air, you know? And oh, like, nice. I've had friends of mine that have been in Hallmark movies and I interview them or, you know, uh, people that I used to be on Chelsea lately with or whatever yeah. like so it's just sort of random actually this one year Kevin Nealon showed up at the improv and was like can I do th-? he didn't know me at all he didn't even know as a stand-up and he was like can I just jump on and do a spot I was like this is like a curated thing this is like a show <laughs> and he was like will you book it right and I'm like yeah he's like but this is the thing comics do I'm like oh I know I'm a comic I was like you this is not, there's no, like, I'll have to kick someone off the show because there's no time left. And finally, he was just staring at me like I was crazy. And I was like, okay. And I let him go on. And honestly, he did the worst of everybody. Wow. Because he was not, he wasn't in the vibe. He didn't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. He was I, like trying out jokes, being a comic. And this is like a totally different thing. Kevin has been uh, on this show. And uh, it went better than that sounds. So that. <laughs> well, by the way, I'm just like no, being highly exaggerated. I know, I know. He was, yeah, yeah. And he was super cool to me. Like after he saw a little bit of the show, he's like, I'm so sorry. I get it. You know what I mean? He seems like a nice enough fellow. So I'm not, yeah, no. He was so nice. I just wanted to get into some uh, name dropping from you, but I appreciate that. It's, it's a, a community of people. We may not know who they are, but they're going to be entertaining. And so. Uh, can you tell us where we can learn more about this show and how we can participate? You bet. Um, the website is called On Location Live. So it's onlocationlive.com slash Jen Kirkman. Okay. Or people can just go to my website, jenkirkman.com. It's right there. Or if they go to my pinned tweet on Twitter, <laughs> at Jen Kirkman, <laughs> it's at the top of the page. So all of that should get you there. All right, you've covered many bases. That's good. That many sounds. Base. And I do have one Canadian on the show, but oh, um, yeah. Ex- but ex- the, yeah, so okay. Ex- I've, I mean, I've had some names people might recognize in the past, like Meryl Marco, Julia Sweeney. Oh, nice, you know, whatever. But it's it's not a celebrity heavy show, and this year d- people will definitely be like, oh, I know that person, but. That's why I don't list the guests because everyone's time is so short that I don't want people to be like, I paid 20 bucks to see blah, blah, and they were on for eight minutes. It's like, yep, it's a variety no, show. No, it's a variety show. I appreciate that. And I, I will, yeah. I will hope, uh, hopefully I can tune in as well. I want to see this now. You've, you've convinced me. For what it's worth, Well, Jen. you know, I'm I'm so scared because I've never done it from my living room. I'm just going to be sitting in front of my Christmas tree like a weirdo. That could be cool. <laughs> No, it'll be great. This is what the, this is what life is going to be like for the foreseeable future. And I appreciate that you figured out some way to make it work. I think we all are. It's great. We're trying. We're trying. It was the only thing I was interested in doing. Like Zoom stand-up shows aren't my thing, but I was like, this could be really fun or a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Jen, I, uh, I, I we'll we'll send people to those sites. Of course, I don't know. Is there something from your stand-up? I usually, when I have a musician on or a comedian, we we can throw to something, you know, like a bit from an album uh, or a song. Yeah. Uh, is there something you'd want me to go out on? Or we could go out on right now. Anything that comes to mind? I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of my own stand up, but recently, uh, <sighs> <laughs> am I putting you on no, the spot? It- I have this bit from my first special, I'm Going to Die Alone, where I talk about climate change. And it's kind of at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so you might, you could go out on that. I, I could, t- I don't want to spoil the punchline, but. 
You sound hesitant about what, what's going I on. I just, I, I just don't. I'm not a fan of my own stand up, and everything that's out was written like ten years ago. So I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Well, like, I'm for what it's worth. I think climate change is going to be relevant for at least five thousand well, five thousand well, years. Well, I'm going to say at least the next five thousand years, we're going to be talking about well, climate that, change. That's why I brought up that one because I I like the punchline of that one, yeah. but it's not like my best work. But it's it's like topical, you know. It's topical, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Well, how, do so you, I think it can live on. Does it have a title, that bit? I have never... Do you title your bits? Uh, I think it's called... I think... It's just like... I think it's called frozen yogurt. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's literally just a throwaway line at the top, and then it goes into a longer bit about frozen yogurt. Yes, uh, yes. Um. I don't know. I, oh, I don't so- like my stand-up. So you, you pick your favorite. I feel like <laughs> I didn't mean this to end awkwardly. I thought this would be a nice thing, and I think it will be, and I think we'll, we'll over... No, it is a nice thing. Okay. I just... I'm like this. Whenever anyone asks me like about my stand-up, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. Let's, I hate it. Let's go... I turn into like... Yeah, I, I, this is what we're all kind of like. I, when people say, what's your best... <laughs> what's the best episode of your show? I'm like, they're all my children. I don't know. I don't know how to tell you what the best one is. The most recent one, probably. That's what I usually say, because that's the one I... Oh, that's a good... That's a good answer because you're at your best because you've. I feel like it, it yeah, yeah. Like, why would I be like, well, I yeah. had so and so on, but I was kind of not so good at that point, and I feel like <laughs> I got yeah. Every time this whole like you and I, in some ways, and lots of people like us, are always learning in public, which is weird. Like we're always putting something. Yes. It's an awkward thing that some people don't understand. Like, because I'll get an it's email, I'll get a note about something I made, or or hey, I saw it on your list of past interviews, you talked to so and so. Can you post that? And I say, well. If I think of it, I don't think I was that good. Like, they were, you know, it was good I had Patty Smith on my show, but I was like 20 and I didn't know what I was doing. So why? I don't really want to share that, you know, like, but they don't get that part. Exactly. Right. No, and that's why I'm like hesitant with my specials. I'm like, well, I don't know. Or, you know, uh, yeah. It's hard to, you put out, we put out stuff in public and that's living on uh, in that, it's that's staying the same as we evolve. And that's what it is. So you almost can't relate to who you were five years ago because that's not who you are now. And that's where I'm coming from with it when I answer those emails or explain this to people. And I feel like in your response to this, what was supposed to be a very simple, benign (laughs) question, (laughs) I think that's swimming around it. Well, that's from five, six years ago. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not that person anymore. So I get it. I, I, I get it. But if it helps you at all, yeah, tremendously funny bit. I think it's great. It's going to live on for a while. I think we should go out on frozen yogurt climate change is what I'm calling it at the moment. Love and, it. Uh, <laughs> Jen, uh, uh, as I mentioned at the top, I'm a huge fan of yours. I appreciate you being on uh, this show and, and for speaking with me. And I wish you the best luck with everything going forward. You too. This was a joy. And uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> Make some noise for Jen Kirkman. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, listen, I'm not a political comic or anything like that, but I think about certain things like climate change. I'm not a denier. I believe I know it is real. But what I want to know is when I'm reading these articles and the scientists are like, there's one ice cube left, like, everything's fucked, like, it's happening. I'm like, do they mean in, like, a scientist way? Like, as a scientist, if you say the earth cannot hold human beings in 5,000 years. It's all over because of climate change. That's to a scientist is like right now, right? So do you mean in 5,000 years? Or like basically what I want to know is when can I start smoking again? Like that's how I need it. 
I need it to be put in those kind of terms for me. Like, if we only have five years left, I'm living totally wrong. Like, I will start smoking again. I'll put butter on my face. I'll fuck someone's husband. Like, I will change my life. So I would like more specificity in my climate change reporting. But mostly, I'm not really worried about that. What I think is going to happen is everyone's going to get so stupid that we will just start spontaneously dying. I feel like people will just start driving cars into humans. And then people will be like, you're not supposed to drive a car into a person. And then the person driving will be like, I didn't know. And you're like, oh, well, we used to not have to tell people not to drive cars into people. Well, okay, you should say something. So it's going to just keep getting like that. Because I went to a frozen yogurt shop and there was a, you know, like a 20-year-old girl working there. And I went in and she goes, do you have any questions about how the frozen yogurt works? And I was like, oh, God, no. And if I do, please shoot me in the face. Please end my life here in the store and tell everyone what a dumb question I had. Because I don't, I don't think she meant like how the molecular structure works. I think she really, and the thing is, is that's because that's someone came in there at one point with a question about how frozen yogurt worked. Like, somebody walked in and saw the handles and was like, it's like a cow or something. And, you know, and they kept doing that. And then they're like, why is there cereal? You know, and like... But I do not have any questions about how frozen yogurt works. I see more people in a week than I bet you guys do. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you that it is bad out there. Everyone is stupid. Not you, not me. You are smart. You had to get in the door. You're facing the right way. You're not tipping over like, what's gravity? You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking into this thing. I'm not like, this is the devil's work, you know? And sadly, that's about as smart as it gets these days. I feel like, except for like two scientists that won't tell me when I can start smoking, and then us, everything else is an abomination. I'm gonna tell you what I saw one time, and this is real. And I know it's just one person, but I feel like there's probably a lot of people like this guy out there, and it makes me nervous. So I was on the road. I was at a bar. I was making some notes to myself, and this guy walked in. Normal guy. What I mean by normal is, like, somewhere in his 40s. Seemed like he'd lived a life. He'd had conversations with people before. He'd seen some things. He had a button-down shirt tucked into his pants with a belt. <laughs> iPhone clipped on the belt. Not a great fashion look but maybe he's important. Maybe he's got to get that phone. One ring, Dave. What do you need? Never going to let you down. I got it. I got this. Right? So, speaks English. Not that that is abnormal to not. I'm just saying he has full control of the language. He is not high. He is not drunk. He walks right in and says, I'd like a vodka tonic. And the bartender said, do you want a lemon or a lime with that? And then he just went, uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, uh, um, I, uh, uh, I was a lemon or a lemon. Yeah, I, uh, I, um, uh, uh, and she goes, I'm sorry, do you want a lemon or a lime? And he just went, no, yeah. <sighs> the green one, the green one. And I was like, oh my God. So then I start watching. I'm like, this guy doesn't know what a lime is. You understand? And actually I start thinking, he also doesn't know what a fucking lemon is either because... <laughs> She questioned it, do you want a lemon or a lime? If he knew what a lemon was, he would have been like, I know I don't want a lemon, so I must want a lime. But he couldn't even answer that. And he said the green one. Now, I can't believe she didn't freak out on him. 
But she didn't, because I don't know if you know this, but men, when you act stupid, sometimes women act twice as dumb in your presence just so as not to emasculate you, because we could every second if we wanted to. So, thank you, Liz. So, she doesn't say, yeah, that's a line. She just starts naming green fruit. Now she's making no sense. She's just going, grape, some apples, kiwi, watermelon. And he's going, the green one. And I'm like, what's happening to my country? And so, so finally he sees a bowl of limes behind her. And he goes, that, that's the one I want. I want that one in my drink. And I'm like, now he's talking like a toddler. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm wrong. He's not even like a toddler. And no offense to toddlers. Because a toddler would be in a suit so concerned with not getting carded that he would be up there. If he didn't know the question, a lemon or a lime? Uh, both sounds refreshing. You know. It's not going to start pointing like a grown man does who doesn't know what a lime is. So that's when she finally says, okay, sir, that's a lime. And he goes, I know. And I'm like, no, you didn't. And it made me angry because now, see, when I see stuff like that, I can't just leave it alone. My mind starts going a million places. I'm like, this earth is overpopulated by billions of people. And there's too many people on the planet. And people blame the two cutest groups, right? They blame babies. Too many people having babies. And they blame old people. Old people living too long. I don't care. I like babies and I like old people. Keep them. It's us, white people, 20 to 60, doing nothing. I'm yelling, you paid to watch it. This is stupid. I have a dumb job, I have a dumb life. So do you, taking up space. But, but I'm hoping, maybe we all do one good thing a day, or at least we know what a lime is. Like we're not causing chaos with our stupidity, right? I'm hoping. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All my thanks again to Jen Kirkman for being on this, the 580th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, what have you. It's on all of those things and other things that 
I don't even know about. I got an email the other day that said my podcast was doing well in sort of strange places. Hang on, let me see if I can find this. It was like from something called Pod Status, and I had never heard of Pod Status. Oh yeah, here it is. Yeah, the, the, the subject line was Creative Control is ranking very well in Qatar. Your podcast, Creative Control, has good performance in some rankings. Last 30 days. Position one in the category category music interviews, Qatar. Position one in the category music interviews, Bulgaria. Position two in the category music interviews, Finland. Position two in the category music interviews, Rwanda. Position two in the category music interviews, Armenia. So anyway, just all this to say thank you very much if you've been listening to the show in Qatar, Bulgaria, Finland, Rwanda, Armenia, or anywhere else. It's. I, I assume the more you listen, the more I'll get emails like, like this one from Carlos at podstatus.com. That was quite a thrill for me, and I had no idea I had any kind of following in Qatar. That's fun. That is fun. Anyway, as I say, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the show. It's available everywhere. And if you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me, you can sign up for my uh, monthly my monthly I, I, I have a monthly newsletter and I haven't put one out in November I need to do that so sign up for my monthly newsletter all on my website all the stuff I just said you can learn more about at my website vishkana.com you can like Creative Control on Facebook oh I hate Facebook also follow the show on Twitter Twitter's not great either at vishcreative or follow me directly at vishkana also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast, if you like the fact that this podcast exists and can go to Qatar and Halifax and wherever else it goes, please make a flexible monthly donation. Show your support. A dollar, six dollars or more actually gets you exclusive content, so consider that. But whatever you can afford and whatever you feel comfortable with, patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. They just uploaded a new one uh, for the first time since we've been having these kinds of, uh, you know, agreements in place. (laughs) Kathleen Edwards, they just put up a new, I think it's going to be out this week. Yeah, there's a new Kathleen Edwards thing at live at MasseyHall.com. So thanks to them. Thanks also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. As always, my friend Jim Guthrie is a, a wonderful a young man. He loans me some music uh, of his that I can play on the show sometimes, and you can learn more about him at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening uh, to this episode with uh, Jen Kirkman, who I love. That was really fun. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, she's just great. If you haven't heard of Jen or seen her specials or anything like that I, I recommend them I, as I said to Jen my wife and I were just enjoying them and uh, she's the best anyway if you like this episode uh, there's lots more there's 579 before it so check them out and uh, follow the show subscribe to the show if you like it and tell your friends about the show and maybe ask them to do those things as well and that's it for me I will talk to you very soon bye for now
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.